You're listening to episode 182 of the Marathon Running Podcast. In this episode, we're going to do a recap of the 2023 New York City Marathon. This is the Marathon Running Podcast by Letty and Ryan from We Got The Runs. Join us in our running community for weekly content that is motivational, educational, and inspirational, and let the Marathon Running Podcast take you from the starting line to the finish line and beyond. Hey runners, and welcome to the ultimate episode, the episode of the New York City Marathon 2023. And this is our race recap. If you are a longtime listener, we're glad you're back. And if you're new, hello, my name is Letty. My name is Ryan. And we are the Marathon Running Podcast. And we hope that you give us a chance to make your running life a little bit better. And unlike this episode where I don't know what's going to happen, we usually have a fair amount of stuff that is of value for you guys. We interview experts on nutrition, training, prehab, rehab, inspirational stories. But here we are now and we are doing a race recap. Your favorite type of podcast. It is. It truly is. So you separated this podcast into three parts. One is the traditional race recap that you do, but you're also going to do an interview with the a chief medical officer at the marathon, and you're going to give some tips after you've been to it, because before you gave tips, but you hadn't been there yet. So now you're going to modify those a bit. Yes, that's right. And I think um, that's how we're going to structure it. All right. So before we get started with the race recap, a little disclaimer, this is my real experience, and I will not try to sound negative in it. Unfortunately, I had some stuff that went sideways during the race, and I'm usually a half cup of full type of person, but <laughs> happens, literally. And here we are, still alive, still running. And I've always wanted to use the sensor clip that I'm putting in, Ryan. I know you're looking at me because we never curse on our recordings. <laughs> All right, so let's get into the recap. So for the race recap, you want to go through your travel to New York? Yeah, so I left Fort Myers on Thursday morning, arrived in New York on Thursday during at noon on Thursday Took an Uber to the Upper East Side, which is where I was staying. And for anyone that doesn't know, just picture Central Park in the middle. Upper East Side is the part that's east of Central Park. That's where I stayed. I was staying with a friend that I'd never met in person, but I've known her for a while from the Speed Striders group, our Facebook group. Her name is Sarah. Hello, Sarah, in case you're listening. And that was that. So that was travel arrival. And I got there early enough that it was still daylight out, wanted to go to the expo. So Sarah decided to come with me. We walked through Central Park down to the expo, which is south of Central Park, or I guess southwest. And it was at the Javits Center. So the total distance was probably, I don't know, three to five miles. And we decided to walk there because it was still far enough from the marathon to, to be using the legs, you know, instead of running for me. You still had enough days to recover from your walk, huh? Exactly. So how was the expo? The expo was good. Comparable to the expo in Chicago. Again, I'm not big on buying the race swag. So that was a big savior, even though they did have a lot of cute stuff this time. But what am I going to wear a jacket to, right? We live in Florida. and But there was a lot of freebies. There was a lot of companies handing out gels and Gatorade and shirts and all sorts of stuff probably more so than in chicago and as usual at the expo i ran into people i know from la so that was kind of fun <laughs> so it was a good expo overall 
it was a good expo overall, and I'll tell you about it again because we actually visited it twice. But for Thursday, we decided to walk back, headed through Times Square to the Ritz-Carlton where my friend Min was staying. He is someone I know from the LA Roadrunners. He's a three-hour pacer, super nice, and travels to a lot of the same marathons I travel to. So we've built a friendship over the years. That was fun. And then headed back to go to sleep because Friday morning early, there was a shakeout at Tracksmith in Brooklyn. So this time we actually went on the subway. It's pretty easy. You can navigate it using your phone, using Apple Pay. That was all smooth. Went to Tracksmith, met Min again, and a lot of his friends that I also know from other races, whom we then went to Times Square with to check it out, and then back to the expo. So first off, subways, you've been on the subways, I think, before with us, right? But how do they compare to the public transportation in Germany or other places? A lot more dirty, Ryan, yeah. unfortunately. And I didn't want to say it and see it, but... You know. Yeah, it's really convenient. There's lots of places to go around, but that's the way I felt, too. I lived in New York for a while, but it's just everything's really dirty. But it's very convenient, and it's very easy to get around. And you can also take a lot of Ubers, taxis, or other things. But so how you? what did you think about Times Square? Times Square was great. It was very bright, all the lights. I've been there with you and the kids last year, and that was a lot of fun. But again, you know, it's kind of that silver lining of you're in New York and you want to live this experience and have it be great. And we were taking pictures. Suddenly, Minnie and Mickey Mouse and Super Mario and Luigi showed up and photobombed our pictures. And they asked us if we wanted to have them take pictures using our camera. We declined. We were fine managing it. But then the pimp of them, or the organizer, I don't know what to call him, Luigi's and Mario's pimp came and he gave us trouble because he was like, oh, you need to tip us. And we were like, no, we didn't ask you to do anything and you actually kind of ruined our pictures. It was a little bit annoying, but I guess that just comes with the territory. You have a huge city and so many people. Yeah, sometimes that can ruin the experience. And But anyway, um, so what's uh, what's next? So you liked the expo so much, you went twice. You know, I guess I did. And we took a lot more pictures this time and looked around a bit more. I made some connections. I found some people that are going to be at the same event that I'm going to be at in November, which is a running industry event. So I did a lot of talking, chatting, build up an appetite. So we went to an area close to the expo called the Hearts and Yards Shops. And we ate at, I think, a place called Queen's Yards. I had the... Rigatoni, and we also shared some oysters. Oysters? Yes, oysters. Failed to mention that to me earlier. That'll come into play later in the conversation. <laughs> okay. And so, so what other significant things happened before the marathon? So after that, we all went our separate ways. I had actually stayed in the area because I was attending the Alley on the Run live show, which everyone knows Alley on the Run. She is a podcaster that I also listen to sometimes. And that was sponsored by New Balance. So it was a great event. And I left that place and stumbled onto a thrift store. I saw a robe that looked super cozy. And the reason I hadn't bought a robe prior to traveling was because of luggage restrictions. So I bought that robe and carried it with me to the next meetup, which was something I had organized at Boca di Baco. And sorry for mispronouncing that I'm not Italian. But that's where I met my fellow Speed Striders. We have the Speed Striders Facebook group. And a lot of us were running this event and decided to meet up. So just to give a little shout out, there was Esther from Canada. 
Anders, Katarina, and Janis from Sweden, who we'd previously met at the Stockholm Marathon. And then Sandrine was there also. Sandrine is my local neighbor. She actually lives 0.1 miles from my house. And she's magically going to all these different races I'm going to too. So I'm going to see a lot more of her, I guess, in the near future in different areas of the world. So that was kind of cool. And then Himanju was there, who I'd met in 2021 in Berlin, who's also parts of the Speed Straighters. Sarah was there, who was my roommate for the New York City Marathon, as I mentioned. And what'd you eat? I I had a Caesar salad, Ryan, and I guess we're going to be talking about the Caesar salad for a while. But I asked him to not give me the anchovies. So they asked me, do you want us to make you a dressing? And I said, yes. And that was <laughs> that was the end of my weekend. <laughs> this is actually, in addition to being a race recap, it's also a mystery that needs to be solved. So there's clues along the way. So go on. So what happened next in terms of your time before your marathon before your race yeah so that was friday night got home went to sleep and got awoken by violent rumbling in my stomach all night long (laughs) which i'm not going to go into detail but this is a running podcast so you know and our running podcast used to be called we got the runs so just put two and two together i got the runs while i was you know still friday night And I'm hoping, okay, what's happening here? I'm just trying to keep quiet because I actually have, I'm actually sharing this hotel room. So I'm trying to keep this as quiet as possible. And in the morning, I got up and I said, you know what? There's nothing in life you can't run off. I wanted to go to the Shakeout Run, which was hosted by Michelob Ultra with my friends Maria and Leslie, my dear friend Leslie from LA, who's also an attorney and a mother and an age group champion for her age group in the marathon distance. So anyway, I went to that and I could barely kind of function. I was going through hot sweats while I was there and the shakeout run, I was walking it a little bit. It was only two miles long. And as soon as I was done, I threw up. After I threw up, I skipped the breakfast, which you're welcome, everybody else (laughs) that was at the breakfast. (laughs) I spared you the image of a female projectile vomiting. I instead went to CVS and bought some Imodium. I've never in my life taken Imodium, but I was recommended Imodium. So took the Imodium and I also bought some chews. They were like Imodium chews and went back to my room and just literally crashed and laid down for the rest of the entire Saturday. Okay, so to save anyone from more details of Letty Got the Runs, um, we can say that it challenged you during your race, but and it may have impacted your your opinion of the race itself. But without going into more of those details, you want to talk about race day then? Yeah, so... Well, I mean, I had talked to you and every single person that seems to be a doctor in my life. You're a doctor. My brother is a doctor. My friend Maria is a doctor. Min is a doctor. My friends Diana and Tasha that I always text with, they're doctors. So I have like 17,000 doctors in my life and all of them kind of said the same thing. See how you feel in the morning. Maria suggested maybe defer it because this might not be a good idea. But the main consensus was see how you feel. The thing is, normally on a Saturday, you're carb loading, right? I didn't carb load. I carb unloaded the entire day. And 
here we are at the end of Saturday evening. I was able to go to the store to buy some Jello and pureed baby banana food because they didn't have real bananas that were not green. And that was the extent of what I ate. But I woke up and I was like, you know what? I'm already here. I'm going to do this, which was not a smart decision because now we're at race morning. We're not carb loaded and food still doesn't sound good. I'm not doing any of the regular marathon routine things, which is, you know, eat something, drink some coffee. So with that out of the way, we can talk about it later as you do the race. You want to talk about the start and getting to the beginning of the race? Like this one actually runs from Staten Island to Central Park, which are separated by water bridges and distance. So it's not certainly not a race that starts and ends in the same location. Yeah, so we had signed up to take the bus from the library, so we had to go down there. We arrived a little bit early, which is fine. You know, it was a it was going to be a long day. And it was pretty smooth. It was well organized. We arrived in Staten Island after about an hour, and then we had a lot of time in the village, but luckily the weather was great. The robe, I barely needed it. It wasn't cold. I was afraid I was going to be shivering all day long, but it wasn't the case. Dunkin' Donut had provided coffee and tea and hot chocolate and all sorts of stuff. There was signs and sports that, you know, they were providing bars, there were bagels and all that stuff. Again, nothing sounded good. I'd shoot on a bagel, but I made sure that I went to the Dunkin' Donut truck because I wanted to get a hat. So why is this hat infamous? Because everybody that is a little bit into running knows about this hat and wants to wear it. So you wanted a hat. And then you told me you had to carry the hat with you, though, because you get it and you don't have your you've already dropped your stuff off. So I decided to just put it in the back of my sports bra and slide it in there. It was kind of funny while I tried to do it myself. I put my shoulder blades too close together, I guess. And my sports bra in the back has clips and I unclipped my sports bra. <laughs> so then, you know, to put this thing on, I usually have to take it off completely. <laughs> and I found a nice volunteer female, of course, that uh, closed my sports bra for me and put the hats in there. It was kind of funny. I was feeling great. I was in a great mood. I was running into people. It was, it was all dandy at this point. All right. So before we start talking about the race, I actually... On race day, I tried to look up your name and it didn't even show up. And I was like, what, are you actually running this race? And I actually even, I could see a photo because you posted a photo of the your bib number. And I tried to even look up the bib number and it still didn't show up. But Anders or other people did show up. And so I was like, hey, why aren't you showing up? I didn't even know you did this, but you um, made it untrackable or something? Yeah. So the Berlin Marathon has an option to... Hide your splits, so to speak, so people can see you and they can see your finishing time, but they can't see your race splits. And I felt like that was something I wanted to do just because I wasn't going to race this race. I didn't realize that it would completely take me of any searchable results and searchable photos and all that stuff. So that's how that happened. And I had a lot of messages from friends and others, and they were just kind of like, oh, you know. The ones that knew I was sick thought I had deferred, and the ones that didn't were just confused. <laughs> so you may not have run the race, really. No, I, I did. I did. Okay. Are you looking for the perfect apparel that mirrors your love for running? Look no further than Run Swag, the go-to store by runners for runners. From witty tees to hoodies that commemorate your marathon majors to crops that get you motivated. Run Swag's got you covered. 
Discover the perfect blend of comfort and style. Visit www.runswag.com. Runswag, there's something for every runner. All right. So you want to talk about the first half? Yes. And you're a true Ryan fashion. I know you like talking about first half, second half, and this time it actually exactly worked out that way. So actually, I looked at the uh, race course, and it looks like, do they separate the courses based on like what color your bibs were for a pit for the beginning, just the beginning? Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm-hmm, but I think it's just because otherwise it's too crowded. Yeah, it actually makes sense. And then, and then, then later on, they kind of all merge together, which at that point, people are spread out, so it's probably not as bad. Yeah, it was great. But that, yeah, I don't know if I've ever seen. I'm sure they have it in other races too, probably. But I've never, I've never seen that in a marathon. It's kind of neat. Yeah. So go on. So yeah. So at the beginning, they played Frank Sinatra, New York, New York. It made me emotional. I take a lot of videos, and there we went. We started. There was a wave of runners that were guides to people that were seeing eye impaired. And they were running across the Verrazano Bridge with us at the same time. And it was so cool to just witness this, you know, this energy and be part of it. And running across that bridge, Ryan, it was kind of, I tried to take videos and it doesn't do it justice. You are running with all these amazing people. And then you look to your left and you see the entire city of New York, but it's kind of like in fog. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was just gorgeous. And you don't notice that it's uphill. I mean, you do because your time on your Garmin is slower, but it kind of carries you. And then there's a downhill and that downhill just kind of flew by. It was. It actually starts, I think, at, at elevation at a couple, like, so you do go up a little bit for the bridge, but you don't start from sea level per se. You know, you go up a little bit and then you go down further. And into the first set of spectators. That was nonstop the entire race. I don't think I've ever seen as many spectators as in this race. And that was really, really cool. I remember that. I remember running towards the city and just feeling this energy. I was looking at my pace and I was going just as fast as in Chicago, I believe, without even trying, just because I felt great and everyone around me it was just so much greatness. Great, great, great. I can imagine running up to that is kind of neat. Yeah, it was absolutely cool. And I was trying to follow yours and Steven's advice, which was to drink Gatorade at every stop. And I did that and it was energizing. I also, for the first time, had brought a flask of maple syrup. And who gave you that idea? So our friends, Martin and Isabel, which are snowbirds to Florida. From? From Canada. The home of the maple syrup. Home of the maple syrup. I don't know if he's trying to promote it or whatever he was trying to do, but, you know, he ran a 235 with it and he's a very big analytical runner and has reasons to why he does what. And I trusted him with that, bought a flask, put in the maple syrup, and it was really good. And it was nice. I didn't have to carry 20,000 gels. I just had this little flask in my sports bra and I was having a little zip of it every couple miles, feeling just really, really great. Yeah, so that's just just to give a little more depth into the to the maple syrup thing because that's a little unusual. But yeah, I think it's not a bad idea. I mean, most of those, um, especially if you have sports drinks, other things too. Most of the gels and everything are you know a source of sugar and stuff. So yeah, but go on. So so then everything was great. The energy was great. The spectators, the signs. I saw the funniest signs. They were motivating. They were you know made us emotional. They were talking about being in New York and this is what you've been waiting for. Or 
they were humorous and all that stuff. So everything was great. So we've gotten through the first part of the race, the first half of the race, and you're feeling good, right? Feeling great. So now we go on to the second half of the race, and? And I felt great for another mile. Until? Mile 14, Gatorade stop. Oh, is that a Gatorade stop too? What happened? (laughs) So I took a Gatorade, and I don't stop and walk because I'm feeling great. Take it, and then... I think about, you know, 200 meters after that, I get this severe stomach cramp and it feels like labor pain. For those of you that have had children, you know what contractions feel like. It felt like a contraction. So, you know, you can't run through the contraction. I'm actually standing there and I'm confused because I'm still going fast, still going sub eight minute miles probably. And I have to stop so I can breathe through this weird cramp in my stomach. And I try to write it off as, okay, Whatever, it just happens. This is a weird stomach cramp. I continue running, and then I have this urge to go to the bathroom. But I can't go to the bathroom because I took Imodium. So I knew I was safe outside of the bathroom. (laughs) Why are you shaking your head? (laughs) For those of you that don't know Letty, this is like every single medical issue that comes up. It's like it turns into a disaster in two seconds. (laughs) It's so funny. (laughs) Well, all right, so... I can't go to the bathroom, but these stomach cramps keep coming. First, it's just one cramp per mile, and then there's this urge to throw up, and I did throw up. I can't keep this Gatorade down, and I'm almost afraid to take another Gatorade. I know I have to hydrate because my brother warned me. He said, you know, dehydration is not just important for running. It's also when you're dehydrated, it's important for your heart. So this, you know, his words resonate in my mind. I'm kind of thinking, why am I running this race? But then at the same time, I'm feeling so crappy that I never want to go back to New York. So I need to get this medal. Otherwise, you know, life will end and I don't get this extra star. (laughs) Um, So then how did you make it to the end or did you make it to the end? That is the question. So did you just walk it? No, I tried to run it. I tried to run between the cramps, but it was getting harder and harder. I had like these hot sweats going on. Kind of like what I'm imagining hot flashes will be like shortly in my real life. (laughs) Okay. I'm imagining this is what it feels like. And then contraction pains, which doesn't make sense. You shouldn't have the two of them together ever. And then the vomiting, right? I mean, I'm laughing about it now, but at the time it was literally, I felt like there was not enough bathrooms. I felt like the bathrooms were too spread out and... A few times I just pulled over to the side of the road and I threw up and then I was embarrassed and people would say, are you okay? And of course I say yes. And I start running again because I don't want (laughs) to, I don't want to be caught by them or the medical team that's going to pull me off the course and says, you can't do this. (laughs) This is not a good idea. Sorry, I'm laughing, but it also reminds me of other, other situations where you've you know, falling down in front of people or other stuff and people ask if you're okay. And for whatever reason, you don't ever want to accept help. You're just like, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. Um, I just was looking at something and you like fell down or, or like tripped over a bush and broke your ankle when you're <laughs> talking to your friend, you're meeting your friend. If you listen to old podcasts, I'm sure you'll, you'll hear other Letty stories. And sorry, so I didn't mean to laugh, but it is kind of funny because it doesn't, happen infrequently for you but really ryan like you know if if the medical team pulls you off the course you're done with the race and i wasn't mentally ready i hated it so much at that point and it was so weird to see such a beautiful race 
bring me to such a dark place where I was just like, I don't ever want to be here again. I don't ever want to smell this race again. And yeah, so I kept running and everything just kept going slower and slower in the end. And I'm not slow bashing anyone, but my normal pace for a slow run is about nine minute pace. And I was running 12 minute pace for a majority. And I was getting really frustrated because I would look at my watch and the time that had lapsed since I'd looked at my watch last and I hadn't really moved and everything just felt like slow motion to me. So do you remember a lot other other than that though? I'm sure that probably drew most of your attention away. So you might have just even blacked, you know, essentially blacked out with all the crowd and everything else. I blacked out a lot of the hills that were supposedly there. I didn't realize there were hills or not. I tried to make sure I looked at the spectators because I was always told the spectators in New York are so deep. And I did see that, like, you know, there was not just one line of people. There would be like people and then behind the people were more people and more people. And that was pretty amazing to see how deep of a crowd this race attracted, but not just in one spot, but in most spots. That's cool that there's a lot of people, you know, showing up for that race. I think, um, you know, it's nice that the race runs through such a dense city and that conducive to people coming out and showing support any other memorable spots before you get to the finish um that's pretty much it i literally just paid attention to where the toilets were i was looking for the sign that said toilet and so um finally we turned made a right and then turned again right into central park and i i was happy but at that time i was also i i don't know i felt very emotional but not because i was happy to be a finisher i just wanted to be done with this race so then I crossed the finish line, and right when I crossed the finish line, I made eye contact with this nice lady from the medical team who, I guess, said I probably looked like I was in distress. I must have had a little bit of a throw-up spot on my shirt, <laughs> and my lips were a little bluish. So they asked me to sit in the wheelchair so they could wheel me to the medical tent I didn't need the wheelchair ride. I think that was kind of over the top of it. I guess, you know, I guess that's the, how they do it. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to know when you're, uh, if you didn't have someone else while you finish there, you might look different than you think you do from the outside. Or like you say, it might have just been standard procedure, but go on. Yeah. So then I got into the medical tent and I laid down. Um, I was very nauseous. I was still throwing up. And they tried to put alcohol swabs under my nose because they said that helps your nausea. And it didn't. It kept on making me throw up worse. And then they added salt under my tongue, which didn't do anything either. And then finally, they gave me a drug called Sofran, which I was waiting for it to kick in to get rid of the nausea. And while I was waiting there, I started to get really cold. They didn't give you real blankets. They gave you these Mylar blankets. And I was shivering. And I looked up and there was Calvin standing there. Here's the irony of it all. Back when I first started this podcast, I interviewed this guy. His name is Calvin Sun. He's a physician who talked to me about the effect of COVID on runners. He was also the chief medical director of the New York City Marathon. And I didn't even realize that, but he was still the chief medical director of the New York City Marathon. Um, I said hi to him and he was a surprise, I imagine. Yeah. But you know how I get really cold after I run and I was freezing. It was getting colder and colder. 
So they started to take my temperature and they used a thermometer under my tongue. And then they used about three more before they said that my temperature was 91.5. And I had to go into the bear hug blanket, which I couldn't wait. It just sounded amazing. I was, I was going to so say, that sounds cold. like a, knowing you, that sounds like it would be a dream of yours, even if you weren't running a marathon or cold. Yeah, but you know how I get really cold after I run. Yeah, so go on. Yeah, so then I got into that blanket and it's basically a blanket that has hot air blown into it. And I was just shivering. They were giving me shirts and all kinds of stuff to put on me just to raise my temperature. They were asking me questions and I think I was pretty responsive. I mean, I gave them your phone number for a case of emergency and all that stuff. But then they did ask me, do you know where you are? (laughs) And for some reason... I was confused and they asked me where I was and I said, I'm in Chicago. But I immediately, I mean, pretty much after I said it, I realized, wait, you're not in Chicago, you're in New York. So I corrected myself. It was a kind of a blurry experience. I think I was going in and out of sleep a lot. They are trying to keep you awake because they want to make sure that everything is okay. But at the same time, you know, you put hot blankets and everything on someone My body temperature, next time they checked it, was 92, then 94, then 96, spread out over time. And then I remember waking up the last time when she said, let's check your temperature again. And it was, I don't know, 101. And they're like, okay, you're good to go. (laughs) Yeah. And and for people that don't know, you could pretty, pretty much fall asleep almost anywhere. So that wasn't abnormal for you necessarily. Um. It's probably just being warm. <laughs> it was warm and cozy and yeah. You get, you get Letty in a comfortable spot and make her warm and she's sleeping, taking a nap. <laughs> the AC was out earlier today and I was wondering why I was so sleepy. Yeah. So <laughs> added information and I guess it's been nice in Florida. So I we had the AC off, I guess. I didn't even realize it. But today it was a little bit warmer. So it was a little bit hotter in, in the house. And I'm like, oh, why is it hot? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, why am I so sleepy? So you spent some time in the medical tent? Yeah, probably around two hours, which later on, we had the opportunity to get a medal engraved. And you know, I never get my medals engraved. I don't know what time I run my marathons in, but the opportunity arose. And so instead of putting my name and my time, which I still couldn't look myself up. Do you know what your time was? Yeah, it was 3.56, I believe. Oh, that's actually not that slow. But anyway... Um, so you put on the metal, the time you spent in the medical tent. <laughs> but I've kind of, you know, uh, embellished on that. I put one hour, 59, 59, the significance of which is... The world record. The world record. It's a shout out to Kipchoge. He was trying to run a marathon in sub two hours. And that's the time I put on that. It was, it was funny at the time. It is funny. I saw you posted that on... Instagram or something when you were still gone in New York and I was like oh do they actually give you like a medal after you've been in the medical tent that's what I thought it was I thought like you know you you spend time in the medical tent and they actually like give you a little medal for the time you spent in the medical tent (laughs) so I'd be like that would be kind of a neat thing (laughs) to give people (laughs) we should suggest that to Calvin (laughs) (laughs) so anyway um so what's next So, yeah, so after that, I had to go collect my bag. That was a little bit tedious because you have to go through the bag check. It exits out on the southwest corner of the park, and then they don't let you cross over to be able to catch any public transportation. You have to walk all the way down 
and then find a metro station or a subway station. So it took me about an hour to find transportation to get home because I wasn't going to walk it. I had like five blankets around my waist and some on my top and all that stuff is, it was a little bit hard to walk, not because of soreness, but because of the amount of clothing I was wearing. And then I went back to the apartment. I took a long, hot shower and I felt great. And I think, you know, obviously the anti-nausea drug is something that was very strong and and it was very effective and it kind of turned the day around a little bit. I had enough energy later on to meet back up um, with my friend Maria, who had invited me to the Michelob Ultra event just, you know, for five minutes to say hi. Um, and I had the opportunity to go back to the finish line because apparently the New York City Marathon lets everyone finish, but I decided to just take the train back. Um, I kind of regret not having gone back to the finish line, seeing people finish in the dark. But, you know, maybe next time. Yeah, and then and then you said you didn't want to do it again. You just wanted to finish so you wouldn't have to do it again. I think you should do it again, though. Then you can redeem yourself and have a good race. Maybe you'll think have a better memory of it. And, you know, I know I told you I was never going to run it again, but runner's amnesia is real. Yeah, well, after you have a few days off and stuff, I'm sure you... Because not only did you have the stresses of a marathon, you know, where you get tired at the end and sore, but then you also had all the GI issues that he had the runs. So, um, yeah, that probably the combination made it not so pleasant. We won't ask you to rate this one because it had complicating circumstances so that's interesting so now we are interviewing the guy that you saw on the metal tent did you ask him while you were there no i messaged him afterwards i said it was great to see you in action and then i suggested hey you want to come back on and we can talk a little bit about the most common things you see in these medical tents because ryan you are constantly surrounded by patients and that sort of thing and i am not i'm in a completely different field and the noises and things that I heard in there were pretty crazy you know people full-on cramping and screaming it was uh it was almost like a little bit of a torture chamber element to it <laughs> yeah I can see that I think for a lot of people running a marathon is a little bit of torture especially for people that are not prepared and then also visually seeing people coming in because I'm laying in this bed when I'm not sleeping my eyes are open and I see people with completely you know black rings under their eyes and people that are unconscious and people that have all sorts of issue and need help walking and other people in the bear huggers next to me also shivering. I know I was shivering, so I probably didn't look that hot in there either. But it's just, it was very, very interesting and shocking. And it was also cool to see the amounts of medical students that were there and attendings. Everybody was labeled and everybody was really helpful trying to make an impact on this race that was so well organized so yeah it's good to see you know fortunately you had better temperatures for running but i know a lot of these races you can even have people way worse off with too much heat i'm sure a lot of that happens at all these races where you have tons of people with medical problems and i'm sure calvin stays very busy so you ready to get into it all right, so without any further ado, I'm now going to play my conversation with the New York Roadrunner Chief Medical Director, Dr. Calvin Sun. It's good to have you back. Good um, to be back. Congratulations on completing the New York City Marathon. 
Yes. Thank you. Thank you. And for you too, obviously, for organizing all this um, craziness. How do you even recognize all that chaos? That's why. Yeah, that was crazy. I can't believe I saw you in that medical tent. I was in such a blur, but then your face shows up and I never forget a face. So I was like, oh, I know him. That was kind of funny to make that connection because I was so out of it. And all of a sudden, there you were. (laughs) I was like, oh, that's Calvin. And then I told the people next to me, I was like, oh, that's Calvin. And I couldn't think of your last name. So I was like, it's Calvin Harris, Calvin Klein. And they're like, what are you talking about? So, you know, let me let me go into some numbers. Just uh, you said you had about a thousand volunteers that you're hosting. 1,800 this, this year. 1,800 volunteers. And that was, as I saw, comprised of medical students, attending physicians. What else? Who else is able to volunteer for the New York City American? Uh, We take everyone and anyone that has a license or a CPR certificate or just anyone who wants to help. Pre-meds, college students. We have uh, attending physicians, resident physicians. We had RNs, resident nurses, NPs, nurse practitioners, physicians, assistants, associates, PAs. We had medical students, PT students, physical therapists, athletic trainers, ATs. We had mental health therapists, psychologists, psychiatrists, social workers. We had uh, licensed uh, licensed social workers. Um, We had registration. We had spotters. We had uh, registration admins, students, medical, nursing, physical therapy, and ATC students, athletic trainers, occupational therapists, physician assistants associates, or PAs, outdoor emergency technician, OECs. EMTs, paramedics. Um, man, I don't want to miss anyone here. These are all public stuff. You can go to nyrr.org slash get involved slash volunteer slash opportunities. Uh, and I think it's a bunch of a mum and jumble question mark, yada, yada, yada. And they have all that list. That's a lot. And you had, obviously you mentioned eight tents. So you had one big tent at the finish line, but in all throughout the course, you had how many tents? So um, I'm going to tell you exactly. Uh, so... We have about seven to eight, depending on if you count. Some some tents are just only a certain type of runners. So I'm not sure if I can count that because they only say, yeah, they pro athletes and celebrities. So I'm like, eh. like I didn't oversee that one. Like that's NYRR, you know, VIP stuff. So can't say much about that. But there, there was a tent for those uh, runners. That, but if they were really, really sick, they come to us. Okay. So for us, the ones we would take care of all, and we have the equipment to run it like a kind of quasi battlefield emergency room. That's about seven medical tents. And we also have one course tent at every mile after mile three. So from three to 26, that's I think 24 tents. And we had the start tent at Staten Island. Wow. That's a lot. You know, from your experience, what is the most common thing that you see in runners? Why are runners being treated? Everything. They're there for everything. We have mental health therapists for runners who are just going through a panic attack or a panic attack after they finish and they just don't know what they have done. Or we we need a, a mental health therapist for families. So their patients do. You know, families of runners who are just worried outside. 
and they can't, they're not allowed inside. So obviously they're, they're understandably agitated or the runners being sent to the hospital. And then we have the runners who come in because of cramps and musculoskeletal problems and they can't walk after just suddenly stopping. Uh, we have a lot of runners that pass out because once you are running and running and running, your body has established an equilibrium for 26 miles of constant running. And all of a sudden you stop at the finish line. All that blood just pulls down into your legs. And as a evolutionary mechanism that we've been designed to evolve with the gravity is that we pass out on purpose so the blood from the legs go back to the brain because once you're level on the ground but then we worry about head trauma which is the other thing you know trauma when they are and they fall and they wobble i mean we catch them most of the time but if they wobble and they fall and hit their head then we deal with trauma and have to take care of that we have a lot of runners who are altered because they drink too much water so they're low in salt or hyponatremic or we have runners that are a diabetic and took too much medicine or their body uh, got wonky with their insulin delivery. So now we have hypoglycemic patients who, who have seizures if they are too too low in sugar. We have patients that uh, are too hot. It was a, it was 62 degrees at some point in the day, which is pretty hot for some runners. So they would come in with you know rectal temperature or core temperatures of 106 or greater, where we then have to dunk them into ice tanks. Uh, and take them out before get, they get too cold. We have patients who are super cold come at the end of the race where it's already 40, 50 degrees again and they're a little older and they're taking their time and the course for longer. So they're coming in uh, with their hypothermic with their core temperature being the 90s or 95s and we have to wear, warm them out with our bear huggers. And uh, we have pa- patients with you know podiatry issues where they have bleeding toenails, subungled hematomas that need to be drilled or stress fractures or sprained ankles. I had a dislocated shoulder one time where I was putting it back in, in the medical tent. So you have everything and we take care of all of it. The, the beauty of it is how many we're able to take care of and get them back on their feet within minutes to hours with our volunteer force. These patients that will come to the emergency room would have waited hours and hours and hours because of time it takes to deliver healthcare, you know, the staffing issues, the medical resources that we need more of in our hospitals, or just logistics of insurance and red tape. And it would take, you know, they would just start cramping up if they came to a regular emergency room because you've waited too long for runners and not being escorted or let out or walked around, which you really can't do in an emergency room that's cramped. Uh, they start cramping up and then they stay for longer and then they cramp up so much they can't walk and they have to stay overnight. And it just, it just compounds. Whereas the medical tent, it's designed beautifully somehow to have, even though it's like wartime battlefield conditions with the military cots and chairs scattered everywhere, we try to put it together and hundreds and hundreds of patients came coming in at the same time. How do we turn them out? So hundreds and hundreds of them walk out within minutes to hours. So we still have enough turnover. It's like a diner dash, but in healthcare is that that's the beauty in the, in what we do. It's not just one-on-one patient care, which I tell my volunteers to focus in on. And like, you're, you're going to be there for someone's best day of their lives. That intimate contact that you have with them is going to fill your cup for the rest of your year in hospitals, which everyone else's worst day of their lives, they're going to be there for. But it's also taking a step back. I tell them at around 2 to 3 p.m., take a step back and take it all in. Just seeing how we are able to just like watch a sea of red uh, shirt wearing volunteers take care of see of patients with their bib numbers just come in like a, an ocean and you just think at the time like if they came in the emergency room we'd all be like mass casualty like calling the fdny calling 911 on the hospital but here we somehow don't let that happen and that's the beauty of just like it's just remarkable to see volunteers to be able to do that seeing what healthcare is capable of when it's really really 
little biased here, well run, where you can see and take care and treat hundreds, thousands of patients. Like I think we took care of 6,000 patients in a span of eight hours, 10 hours. It's the world's largest planned mass casualty event. But it's also the beauty is just how happy everyone is. It's like every, everyone's happy. Even the runners who are patients are happy because they just finished a marathon. They're so grateful. They get to share that. And they're like, what did I just do? And the first person they see isn't family because they collapsed, but a medical volunteer who's sharing their like first bask of afterglow uh, after finishing the marathon. And that connection and while doing all of that. And then at the end at 7 p.m., when you look back at an empty tent and they're trickling now, you're just like, wow, what did we just do together? And then the next day, the tent's gone. It's just a patch of grass. And it's like as if it never happened. And we move on until the next year. Oh my God, you said that so beautifully. I love this. Um, you know, because we don't look at it that way. For us, it's like the one-time visit, but you're right. All the patients, quote unquote, we're all happy because we just completed something in a city and we paid money to do this. So here we are. I, I felt very well taken care of. I felt like the one-on-one -on -one contact was there. They were there taking their time, even though, you know, they're under pressure to open up more beds, but it didn't feel like it. No, I mean, I only did that once last year when the weather was like 75 degrees, the hottest marathon day on record, where I didn't open up a new section or more cots. We just ran out. I had to change sections around on the fly because we started having a row of patients waiting to go to the ER because they were just too hot and we had to dunk all of them. And you should send patients that you dunk with a rectal temperature or a core temperature of 108 and higher to the emergency room because they need monitoring. And there were just so many of them that uh, last year was a little dicey. But again, last year, this year, no fatalities, no cardiac arrests, no, no one that we couldn't save. Everyone got to go home. And it was remarkable because out of 6,000 patients that come in in eight to 10 hours, you can bet there was going to be at least one or two of them that's going to be sicker than the rest who shouldn't be running a marathon. And remarkably, they were all very, very healthy enough. And we had a great team that saw things quickly to prevent that from ever happening. So it's been, you know, four or five days since the marathon and we still haven't, you know, heard anything. And I, I've anything we've been confirmed that we can move on. Like you're good. No fatalities. It's on to the next day. And if anything happened at this point, it's not because of the marathon. So I am very grateful to a, a wonderful medical team that I'm really sad that I only get to see once a year, if not once in my ever, uh, my entire life. So it's not like you could expect the same volunteers to come every year. These are 1,800 volunteers that do it once and they want to see what it's all about. And not all of them are going to be able to do it again a second time. I was lucky that I was able to do it two to three times. That was enough for Stu to remember my name when we run into, ran, ran into each other uh, four years after my first marathon in Maryland. And it's it's just, but that's that thing, that's why we do this. Like, that looking back, we can we're able to explain it, but in the moment, we we're just if you ask us, like oh, I'm just here to volunteer, and it's just like a regular day volunteering, and then I'll you know I'll feel what I feel afterwards, and then you walk away, and it's like, huh, this is different, and I hope, and I I was worried because when they go to bed the next morning, they're like, ah, it's it's a Monday, and they forget what they they accomplished, how special it was. It's easy to forget emotions. Your brain only remembers what's the one what it wants to remember you can have the most impactful emotional day of your life that how amazing it is and if your brain the next monday chooses to stress out about there's no coffee in my breakfast there's no ice cream in the refrigerator and completely forget what how special yesterday was that's it you don't you don't ever feel it it's not there anymore it's gone uh it, you you have the power to choose what to worship and focus on your energies on and right now the last four days it's been an emotional hangover of me choosing to ruminate and dwell on how amazing and special that day was. 
before I'm truly ready to move on. And that's, that's just me. I'm, I'm aware of it. And I'm happy that I had that part of myself. I love this. And it's so relatable for us marathoners, because that's basically how everything happens to us too, when we run this race, because it's that oh, moment, it's those three, four hours, five hours, whatever, where you have such an intense experience running through this big city. And then afterwards, it's just gone and you go back and it's Monday and you know, you're back in your routine. And yeah. everyone else is like, oh, you ran the marathon. That's cool. And, and then let's move on. And like, I felt like a pithy one-liner for my friends, but like, do you know how much it meant to me? Everyone mm -hmm. that I ran next to was running for something and it's personal. And then we can't even really expect anyone else around us unless they're like a really close loved one to understand. They're like, oh, cool. You ran the marathon. And then probably deep down, they're feeling their insecurity. Like, well, why can't I do it? Like, oh man, will I be able to accomplish something as amazing anymore? And you don't want to feel them to feel bad, but it's just like this, like this fear of really connecting and being vulnerable when you accomplish something so um, uh, uh, once in a lifetime for a lot of people, bucket list items because of a something we're running for something, right? Some, because of something that makes you vulnerable, putting yourself in a vulnerable place. And I even told the runners in my, I'm, I'm, spoiling my orientation speech that I came up with this year. I just kind of, I was, you know, a few minutes late in trying to get everyone together. I got on the chair and I was like, I got to come up with a speech right now. And the first thing that I thought that hit to my head is like someone out there right now is running in New York city in these 26.2 miles. Someone out there is running right now of the 50,000 runners. Some of them are going to meet one of you and you're about to share an intimate best moment of their lives moment. <laughs> In this medical tent, I said it much more eloquently in the in the tent when you have, you know, two, a thousand people staring at you. But it's something about like someone out there is about to meet you and you're about to share one of the best moments of their lives with this stranger. Don't fuck it up. You're going to this is this is this is this is going to impact them as much as it's going to impact you. So cherish it. And honor it because they, this is this is the this is something that most of them will only do once in their lives, and you are going to be the first person that happen that's going to happen to be there. What no other loved ones, family member, partners for life will, will ever be able to understand that moment that you're about to share with this writer, the moment they cross that finish line and they need you. I'll write that down. That's a really nice. I love it. <laughs> Super motivating, Calvin. Thank you so much for um speaking with me. Oh, thank you for having me. This is fun, fun. All right. Thank you, Calvin, again, for speaking with me. And I hope to never see you in your New York City tent again. Hopefully, I'll see you in another... <laughs> Better circumstances. Better circumstances. That's right. Um, unless you're just going in for the hugger blanket. You might try... Did you steal one? I would imagine you would No, try. you have to plug them in. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. I wish I was like, man, I wish I had one of those at home. <laughs> I figured you probably were looking to steal one. But anyway. <laughs> so now that you've been to the New York City Marathon, would there be things that you'd do differently or things that you wouldn't? Yes. So... Number one tip is basically the principle of economics, right? Well, at least when I studied economics in college, everything is location, location, location. So while I liked staying at the apartment where we stayed, and I'm really grateful because I got a great deal on staying there, I feel like if I were to come back, I would definitely stay somewhere else. And I'm going to tell you where I would stay. I would stay around the area of Columbus Circle or Times Square. The reason for that is... So I picked that particularly for a runner that is traveling to experience the running scene. 
And that's kind of my main thing. I figured it out for Chicago. I figured it out for Boston. Boston's very easy. Everything is kind of central towards the finish line area and same with Chicago. But those are the areas where the events will happen. It's close enough to the expo, but if you're really into running and you want to experience the running world and see other runners and meet your running friends, then that's where they have events. That's where the pop-up shops are. That's where the shakeout runs are, breakfast, all kinds of stuff with other runners. Otherwise, I feel like if I were to travel with family, you know, the place where we stayed wouldn't have been so bad because we would have probably done other things. But if you're just traveling by yourself as a runner and you want a runner's weekend, that's where I would recommend staying. Yeah, I would argue even with the family, those would be better spots probably. But So that's good. Anything else? Yeah, I would also change my transportation mode from the bus to the ferry. I knew that going in that you have the options of busing or you can take a bus to the ferry or I'm sorry, a ferry to a bus later on. I knew that option existed, but because I was in an earlier wave, I chose to just do the bus, whereas I knew the ferry was going to be a lot more scenic. And I feel like, I mean, I'm going to run this race again and I'm still not going to try to win it. So why not take the scenic round and see the Statue of Liberty and all that? Yeah, that's kind of cool. I mean, it is starts near the water and Manhattan's an island, so getting to the ferry shouldn't be too difficult. And it doesn't take that much longer, maybe 30 minutes. We took a bus that was so early and then we had so much time in the village that we could have just done that and it would have been nice. That's kind of cool. I didn't even know they had that. Yeah. So what else? Um, well, not particularly to the New York City Marathon, but, you know, the whole food thing. Next time I'm going to do what my neighbor Sandrine does, which she travels with food, which I've made fun of you before, Sandrine. But hey. now I know better. And now I even asked her. Look who's laughing now. <laughs> <laughs> Look who's laughing now. And tell me what kind of rice you travel with. She brings rice pouches. That's, that's probably not a bad idea, actually. Yeah. It's actually the smartest thing. I think that's actually, it is a good idea. I don't think we've ever talked about that before. But Sandrine, that's a good idea if you... Especially if it's something that's important, you know, like if you want to do a race, it's really important to you. You don't want anything to be messed up. You know, having this stable food that you're used to from the, you know, places that you've been eating already definitely would minimize any upset stomach or things. Yeah. And I thought maybe, you know, that's a good idea for the races that you really take serious because you want to PR. But even just to not get food poisoning or have something that could completely rattle your experience, you know. I'm going to buying those. I'm going to be buying these rice pouches, Ryan. So what else? And then the last tip or thing that I would keep the way I had is to look up events for the marathon weekend on Eventbrite. Uh, they had a ton of stuff going on. Unfortunately, I missed out on all of Saturday and then most of Sunday evening because of my physical condition of being sick. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of stuff happening that I wish I could have enjoyed. Because of your runs. Because I got the runs. <laughs> Any final words? Final words. If you ran New York, um, congratulations. And tell us about your experience. Yes, tag us in your posts if you're still posting. I'll probably still be posting about this race, probably for not as long as I wish, because my footage stopped abruptly at mile 14. I think I took one picture going out of a toilet, <laughs> but I just, you know, you know, I was wearing that little camera on my head. Yeah. But then after that, I was just in a really bad headspace where you don't want to be, you know, 
Yeah, understandable. I didn't take any pictures after the race either. I didn't have any pictures with a medal. I, I actually almost missed getting a medal because I was wheeled into the medical tent. And when I was collecting my bag, I realized I didn't get a medal. So I had to go back and... Oh, you almost didn't get a medal at all. Yeah, I, yeah. I forgot. I mean, it was, you know. Yeah. So, but it's all good and it's all positive vibes. We can all have a... Spencer. Spencer. Run. Are you beeping that out too? Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, so with that, stay tuned for next week. Next week, we are going to have another guest on. We're going to be talking to Brody Sharp. I'm excited about that. You had Brody Sharp on a long, a long time ago. He's a physical therapist, right? Yes. Brody Sharp is the physical therapist. And Well, I, you know, as a physician, you know, a lot of the stuff he said, it did make a lot of sense and seemed to go along with the research and stuff. So, so that I like. I like it, you know... When people are educated and they look at the new things that come up and actually stay informed, and I think that's the best people to listen to. So hopefully has some good stuff for us. It will be. So with that, have a good week of running. Thanks for tuning in. For more information and marathon running news, please head to www.marathonrunningpodcast.com and we'll be back next week.